You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Welcome to another episode of Bible Prophecy Daily. I'm your host this go-around, Jake McCandless. I'm an author and speaker for a ministry called Stand Firm, where we help believers navigate such a time as this. And it truly is such a time as this, right? Since October 7th, for sure. Since the last time that we got to hang out, or at least the last time I got to record this so that we could hang out. In today's episode, we're talking about probably no surprise to you, But we're talking about Israel, the truth on Israel, and we're talking about having a biblical foundation of the relationship between the church and Israel. And I really cringe making that distinction. Now, some of you who track in this, you understand that. But I believe for us to have this conversation, we we have to start there. I would so much rather we just talk about a faithful remnant of God But how do we understand God's continued plan for Israel and the relationship with Israel and the Gentile church? I think it's very important. I've been doing events, pop-up events around the country since October 7th called Truth on Israel. And one of the things I've found is we have not done a good job of connecting the dots throughout Scripture and having like what I would say a systematic theology of Israel. Of course, that wouldn't be the right term. I guess systematic Israelology. of what God is doing from Genesis to the maps in his relationship with Israel. And I believe it's important that we do, that we can't understand the times. And now I have only been tracking in this since 2018. Only recently have I developed a systematic Israelology. But I believe we need to, especially in the times that are coming. And a big part of that is understanding, okay, what's the relationship here? If there is such a distinction that we've made throughout history, then what's the relationship? Okay, so let's get down to how should we understand? What's the biblical foundation of the relationship between the church and Israel? A very important topic that we need to dig into. I want to start with, and I've talked about this in previous episodes that I've done, especially since I returned from Israel uh, this summer, my first trip there. I've talked a lot about the Holocaust Museum, Yad Vashem, but it's set out in a path, which is very cool. Uh, but it ends in this hall of remembrance, and you're looking out, and you you walk in, and you see these binders all over the wall, really t- you know, tons and tons of, of thick binders, each page representing a profile of someone who was killed, a Jew who was killed during the Holocaust. It's overwhelming to see, and it's only a third of the six million who were killed. Right next to uh, this particular museum is the Children's Memorial, uh, which goes through the children who were killed in the Holocaust, reads their name, their age, I believe where, where they're from. And it takes three years to go through that. When you see the vast number through the binders, through the other ways, through the pictures, especially the Children's Memorial, it's overwhelming 
But as I've touched on before, if you go back to the beginning of the path of that museum, it begins with the question, how did this happen? How did Hitler, the Nazis, kill six million Jews? I mean, it's a question that should be asked. But the answer given is horrific. The answer begins with the teachings of the church. It begins with the biblical foundation, the Israelology, if you will, that had been taught moving into the time of Hitler. That Israelology that was happening there was that the church, the Gentile church, replaced Israel. And it's probably the most prolific view in the world. I heard a quote from Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser, who said this is the main teaching of the American church, is that we as Gentile believers have replaced Israel, God's promises, God's continued relationship, those things, which is far from the truth. But this, that museum, those images, that reality is why we need to talk about that, why we need to have a biblical foundation. But God is not done with Israel. The church did not replace Israel But again, that replacement theology is huge. You'll see it everywhere. And it's been coming out of the woodwork since October 7th. So where do we dig in? Well, Paul addresses this in his letter to the Romans. Romans 9 through 11 walks through this issue. And you got to think, it's got to be a huge issue. The Romans, Gentile believers, before they came to Christ, they're worshiping Jupiter, Saturn, you know, not the planets, but the gods that they're named after. They're worshiping these idols. They're worshiping emperors. And then they come to Christ. They hear the gospel. They believe. They experience the Holy Spirit. They know this is legit. They know this is real. They're willing to risk their lives to believe. But then they're dealing with Paul, a Jew. And they surely got to ask this question. Now, Paul, we, we're firm in our faith. But listen, man, we believe Jesus is who he said he is. He is the Jewish Messiah. But his own people don't believe. What's up with this? Do we, do we have it right? I mean, we feel this is legit. We have felt the Holy Spirit work in us. What's the deal? And Paul addresses it, Romans 9 through 11. In Romans 9, he deals with the unbelief. And you can go passage after passage as he walks all the way through it, sharing his heartbrokenness over that, his burden for that unbelief. But I want to look at just a couple passages. Romans 9, 30 through 32 says, or Paul says, What then shall we say? The people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, But as it were, by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. Romans 9 clearly points out, as Jesus did, as we find throughout the Gospels, Israel did not believe for the most part. Now remember, Jesus, a Jew. The disciples, Jews. Paul, a Jew. There were those who believed, those 3,000 that were saved at Pentecost, Jews. So some did believe. 
But as we know, for the most part, they did not accept Christ as who he said he was, that he was the Son of God, that he was the promised Messiah. And Paul didn't shy away from it. He talks about it elsewhere, but he especially talks about it here in Romans 9. But he doesn't stop in Romans 9. I mean, Romans 10 is where we understand really the basis of salvation. And it's in the context of Israel's belief, when they believe. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just Gentiles, but Jews, right? Everyone. But in Romans 11, he deals in what would be the anticipated struggle that the Romans would have. Okay, you said they, they don't believe. Okay, you said we have to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth. It's by faith that we're saved. We need to call upon the Lord. So what's the deal, Paul? Is God done with Israel? Well, three times, very clearly, and throughout all of Romans 11, Paul deals with this. Romans 11.1, 1, Paul writes, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I mean, this is a strong emphasis he's using here in the language. Heck no. God did not reject him. Verse 11, Romans 11, 11. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. So twice, Paul anticipating the question. He's like, okay, we talked about their unbelief. I acknowledged the unbelief. I I shared how much it broke my heart, how I would give my very life if the nation would believe. But God's not done. We don't pull an Andy Stanley and just, you know, unhitch yourself from the Old Testament, unhitch yourself from Israel. We don't do what the church has done for nearly 2,000 years and just say, okay, we we replaced them. I had a conversation with someone and uh, they were adamant you know, against God's continued plan for Israel. They were replacement theologists. We sit down, we have this conversation. I I said, okay, you know, scripturally, you know, I understand you've talked about practically why you feel this way, but scripturally, where is this coming from? And they took me to Romans 9. And I'm like, okay. I, you know, if Romans 9 is the only part of Romans you have, okay, I I can see something here. I said, but did you keep reading? (laughs) Did you read Romans 11? As we see, and it continues. Verse 29, Paul, making sure that they're getting this, says, for God's gifts, his calls, the promises, everything that he told and promised Israel, says, for God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. So three times, he's making it clear God's not done. But still, it can be, okay, well, what's... What's the deal then? Romans eleven twenty five. I think, is the most important passage in understanding this. And, and it's not just taking one passage out. I mean, we've already looked at some of the context here. And Paul says, I do not want you, Gentile believers, in Rome, former pagans, questioning this. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Or arrogant, as some verses say, some uh, translations say. Israel has experienced a hardening, in part, until the full number of Gentiles have come in. 
Paul has said, you know, as a whole, they're not believing. But God's not done. But then he lays it out. This is exactly what is happening. For the most part, Israel has been as a hardened heart until the full number of Gentiles have come in. Now, we don't typically throw throw around at church this full number of Gentiles verse, but we throw around one very similar. Matthew 24, when the gospel spreads to the ends of the earth, when the Great Commission is completed, we talk about that stuff all the time. When someone has been saved from each tongue, tribe, and nation, we talk about that. This is what it's talking about. Once the Great Commission, once the gospel has spread around the world and the full number of Gentiles have come in, then their hearts will become, their hearts will begin to be softened. Now, there are many Jews coming to Christ right now. Many great ministries. I think of one for Israel, one, the exciting work that they're doing. It's happening. But the Bible details exactly how it will happen. And in my next episode, I really want to walk through what that looks like. What's the continued plan? How does this look? How does this unfold? But I believe this verse is so important to understand what's going on. So still, the question should be, okay, they've got a heart and a heart. I mean, but how, how are we related? How, what's the relationship? Paul addresses that in Romans 11 as well. Verses 17 through 18, actually multiple times in Romans 11. He talks about the Gentiles being grafted in. That you've got, I don't know much about grafting. I don't know much about plants and trees. But this idea that you had this tree growing of Israel. God's tree, his family. This Jewish tree. And then Gentiles are grafted in to now grow together. Verses 17 through 18. If some of you... If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap of the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. It's not this idea that we replaced them. They got cut down the, the, the Jewish tree and then just planted a new one. No, we're grafted in. We experience and ex- enjoy the promises of God through Christ, through Israel. We don't take it from them. Rather, we share in that. We share into the inheritance. As I said, I don't know much about grafted in, but we see it, but we see in Ephesians and Galatians, a different phrase used by Paul. When it makes a lot more sense, he says that you're adopted. And I, I see this all the time. I see churches, you know, that have They'll do baptisms and they'll have shirts that say adopted. I actually love it. You know, saved and adopted into the family of God. We love that. But we're adopted into God's family that happens to be Jewish. We're not, uh, adopt, we're not adopted into some just vague family of God. Rather, we're adopted into the family that he already has started. We're the younger brothers and sisters adopted in with our older brother. Now, I imagine many of you listening can relate that you have siblings who are estranged from their family. That happens. Some families may have written them off. 
but God has not written off his family. But this idea of Gentiles being grafted in to the promises of Israel, being adopted into those, it's nothing new. We see it in the Old Testament. Isaiah 49, 6, I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. We see this going back to Genesis 12. We see this lived out in people like Ruth, Rahab. Rahab, a pagan in Jericho who recognizes the work Yahweh is doing and tells the spies to, it protects the spies and then tells them to save her when they come to the city, and they do. And then she becomes grafted in, adopted in to Israel, becomes parts of their promise. We see the same in Ruth. As she's a pagan woman, marries a Jew, he dies, she decides to go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, comes into Israel, is grafted in, is adopted in, and she experiences the promises. And she experiences them in a big-time way as they both become like great-great-great-grandmothers to Jesus. It's happening throughout all of Scripture. And if Israel was obedient, it would have happened more. Ultimately, it goes back to the calling of Abraham and the connection and, and what I believe is the worst division of chapters in the Bible, Genesis 11 and 12. And I'm going to be doing an episode about that in the future. But I believe it's important that we build out this foundation within Scripture. From the beginning, God, once he calls Abraham, he is redeeming the nations through Abraham and his descendants. He's inviting them into the promises he's given Abraham. And that continues today. The church has not replaced Israel. God is not done with Israel. The promises to Israel are still on the table. As Gentiles, we now ex can experience, enjoy, and participate and inherit those same promises. So we've got to be very careful. As I said, I, I'm just now really formulating this systematic Israelology in my life. After being in ministry for nearly 25 years, and it's wild, I've always had a positive view towards Israel. Always that you should stand along with Israel, be supportive. But yet at the same time, pretty much how I approached the Old Testament, how I approached the history of Israel, how I approached the promises was as a replacement theologian, that the church had replaced Israel. And so I want to encourage you to really back up and think about not just your thoughts towards just Israel, but as a whole, as you look at the, the Bible, as you look at the gospel, if you look at the story of scripture, where does Israel fit in? Now, it comes up over and over. I mentioned Ephesians and Galatians. Paul deals with this a lot. They wrestle with it in the book of Acts. Romans 11.25 is so important to understand what's going on. It's because of that hardening of heart that we as Gentiles have been allowed to come in. It's something that we shouldn't take lightly and is definitely not something we should become conceited or arrogant about as the church has done. So understanding this relationship, when we look and we see what's going on in the news, we see what's going on in Israel today, we have to understand God's not done with them. Those promises are still on the table. 
it's interesting as we look and say, you know, the gospel has spread, you know, greatly around the world. And we're not told, you know, what's the full quota? You know, what's the full quota of Gentiles? But that is merged with the return of the Jews to Israel. As you can see, God is working this out as he wrote in his word. But we need to understand that we're grafted in, that we're adopted. God's not done with Israel, and the church did not replace Israel. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 